Hello, curiosity seekers and adventurous thinkers. Welcome to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio, the podcast for the relentlessly curious. This season, our host and Applied Curiosity Lab's chief curiosity seeker, Becky Saltzman, will be sharing the studio with ACL's chief experience producer and favorite sister, Jennifer Felberg. The lens is, and always will be, curiosity. Each week, fun and formal conversations center around one delectable curiosity bite designed to give your brain the time and ideas to think about thinking, to flex your curiosity muscle, and maybe even revolutionize the way you think. A year of suffering with my shoulder, as you know, I've been complaining. I finally broke down and went to the chiropractor. So there's a chiropractor walking distance from my house. I thought, you know what? No excuse. So I went there and I was telling him about my shoulder. He was really good. He came highly recommended. And I happened to mention that I also would like some kind of chiropractic care or advice about exercises I should be doing because I'm getting old. And he looked at me like I had said something horrible, the most self-deprecating thing. And he said, you're not getting old. And I said, well, what am I doing? Well, you're not, I don't mean that. I mean, you're not old. I said, well, I mean, I'm old. I'm older than I was and I'm getting old and I'm noticing some of the things that people talk about when they're getting old, both physical and aesthetic, but I'm mostly concerned about the physical. And I said, and also I have a question for you. Why do you assume or did you assume that when I said I'm getting old, I meant that as something negative or self-deprecating? And he said, well, I think that most people do. And I said, then the problem is we need to correct that assumption because I don't feel that way at all. And your response made me feel like I needed to be defensive about it or I felt bad about myself and I needed to be built up. I wasn't fishing for a compliment. I'm just trying to be realistic about getting old. So we had this interesting conversation, and I thought, God, this really is something that's problematic because if doctors are saying, oh, no, no, and criticizing, I mean, this is just a perpetuation of a negative stereotype that getting old is somehow bad. And then I'm walking home because all of this is right in my neighborhood. So I'm walking home, and I notice, and I don't know if you saw this, but there's a new building that's kind of close by, and I was walking home, and it was one of those biohacking places. And I thought, oh, my God, i got to go in there. This is so funny, especially on the heels of that conversation. I thought, what are they doing? Fecal transplants, all these kinds of things. So I went in there, and sitting at the front desk was the doctor, the naturopathic doctor, and he was eating some bowl of quinoa with kale and crap, I'm sure, whatever. And I thought, well, this is what it takes. Uh, no, thank you. But anyway, I was, I went in there and I said to him, just completely non sequitur, I just walked in and said, what does it mean to die too soon? And I will tell you a little bit about what he said, but I don't want to cheat too much because I want to be able to ask you the curiosity bite without too much. And I know you like cheating and I'm I not do. Gonna, you do like cheating. So I said to him, what, do you, what does it mean to die too soon? And he said, well, I don't really know, but I would answer kind of in two ways. I would answer both from a lifespan and a health span. And we look at what we do as how can you live as healthy as possible for as long as possible. So we look at that as the health span. And I thought, mm, I have a lot of questions around that as I would. But before I get into all of that, I'm going to ask you the curiosity bite, because I also think you're somewhat uniquely qualified to answer, what does it mean to die too soon? You know, it's interesting. 
After working for over 15 years in long-term care, you would think that this answer would be easy or even predictable. I would. But you might be surprised at my answer because one of the most common things people say to me or have said to me when I tell them that I've been working or work in long-term care is, oh God, kill me before I ever end up in a nursing home. And I might have felt, yeah, and I might have felt the same way before I started working in, in that population. But now that I'm in it, now that I've worked in it, I don't agree. And, you know, we just talk about quality of life or health span, seeing how much people enjoy and how much life is in a nursing home or in an assisted living facility. I think that my skew would be a lot higher than the average. I think a lot of people would feel that dying young would be before you end up in those types of facilities. But for me, I think it would be higher because the enjoyment factor is surprisingly high. All right, let me ask you, what do you think people see that makes them say that? Like if you had to say, what are the top three things that people see that make them say that? Okay, if you walked into a nursing home, you might feel that it's too hot you know, or the food is too bland, or you see people sitting around really just staring at a wall. A lot of people feel that way. You walk in and these people are just sitting there staring at a wall. Mm -hmm. That's something that they enjoy. No, I would say that's called meditation. Right. <laughs> Theirs is just a different form of meditation. It's called Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> <laughs> so this is something that they enjoy. How do you know that they're happy? Well, interesting. I was being trained to be an educator for a lot of the staff at a long-term care facility. And one of my assignments was to find a spot where a lot of people are hanging out, one of those you know, multi-purpose rooms, and observe like a fly on the wall for two hours. And so I found a spot and I sat down and it was in a quiet room where several people were in wheelchairs or in a chair, just quietly staring off in space, looking relaxed, looking calm. And then every few minutes, someone would come in, a family member, a CNA, someone would come in and it would be, you know, oh, hi, 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 oh, happy new year, you know, happy day, 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 and singing a song, Wouldn't, how do you do my partner, you know, all this crazy stuff. And you would see the residents get somewhat agitated. You know, sometimes they would sort of smile, but there was definitely a higher sense of agitation in the room. And then a few minutes later, they would walk out and you would see this sense of calm come over these residents that they could get back into what they're most comfortable with and a nice, calm smile on their face. And I saw this time and time again. Over the course of two hours, I saw this easily 15, 20 times. So would that make you think that it's best to leave people who have dementia or Alzheimer's alone and just let them sit and veg? Or is there something in between? When you are happy doing yoga, should I leave you to do yoga 24-7? No. Did I just answer your question? No, you should stop me from doing yoga and take me out to a cocktail immediately. And so we do. When you think about health span, though, you think about what does it mean to be healthy? And with more and more people, I mean, there's kids that are on tons of different drugs, whether for behavioral things or, or physical things or combinations of both. And I don't know, what does it mean to be healthy? So I, I asked him, I said, what does it mean to be healthy? And that was a little bit harder for him to answer because I think about health as kind of insidious. Like 
you know, that story about the frog. You put the frog into boiling water and the frog will jump right out of the water. But you put the frog in cold water and you slowly, slowly, slowly turn it up and the frog will become frog soup. That's it, great. That definitely, that, 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 that definitely gives the idea of the insidiousness of a health span, right? Absolutely, yeah. So then there becomes these things like these new technologies and this one out of MIT where they have come up with a time-to-death clock. And so evidently, here's what happened. There was this guy, a researcher. He was an identical twin. He described himself as very straight and his identical twin brother as very gay. And they were trying to, he was doing epigenetic research, so looking at genes and looking at to see if there were any kinds of markers that would indicate a genetic preference for homosexuality or heterosexuality. And in doing that, they came across all of this kind of gene content, let's just say, for I think it was like 13,000 specimens, of, and they knew when these people had died. And they were able to look at these genetic markers that were turning on and off, or turned on or turned off, or certain quantities of things that were decreased or increased, and then they could correlate it with time of death. And that's pretty much a generic way of describing how they've come up with this time of death machine. Obviously, it can't measure things like my klutziness and whether I'll be fall down the stairs. And You're a goner. I'm a goner. Or whether you walk in front of a Mack truck or, you know, an accident, you fall out of the sky, whatever. But for, I think it's Alzheimer's, cancer, and heart disease, increasingly, they are going to be able to, they, science, scientists, studies will be able to determine the likelihood of your time of death. And it could be things you can affect and things that you couldn't affect. So my question to you is if you could find out when you would die, would you? That's such a hard question. Because in so many ways, we know what's going to cause our death. I mean, we know that a certain type of living, certain choices we make will lead us right to the circling the drain. And most of the time, we don't change it. I think I'm worse than you. I definitely am closer to the coffin than you are because of my choices. So I don't know if I would want to know. If you did know, would you live differently? If I did know when I was going to die? Mm-hmm. You had no choice because somehow you opened up something on your... On the your, magic eight ball. You opened up your magic eight ball and it told you. Would, okay. you do, would you live differently? Probably not. What if you found out you were going to live a long life? Definitely not. What's a long life? I don't even know what a long life is. What's a long life for you? Well, like I said, I think I skew a little higher okay, than the what's average. A, so a I think a long life would be 88. 88? Yeah. Okay, that's long. Yeah, I think that's longer than the average because of my experience. So you would say that you would do nothing different if you knew that you were going to live. The only thing I would do different, and this is really kind of a practical thing, whenever you're financially, you're planning finances, the one X, the X factor that you just don't know is how long you're going to live. So I know that I have enough money right now to retire and would never have to work another day in my life if I died tomorrow. So, you know, when you think about it, like you probably have enough money. You never have to work another day in your life if you die tomorrow because you have enough for retirement, right? So I should call a hitman on you. <laughs> yeah, no. So you my- can just enjoy today <laughs> and tomorrow. Sayonara. <laughs> Adios, muchacho. <laughs> Shalom. <laughs> You're out of here. Well, so that's why I think I might live differently because I might, from a financial standpoint, if I knew that I was going to likely live a long time, I wouldn't necessarily know how chronic or how 
I, I wouldn't even know how to quantify or qualify health, but I know that I would need to live a long life. And I would, uh, if I was going to live a long life, rather, I'd need to save enough money to do so. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about grandma. So grandma, 101 years old, and I went to go visit her the other day. And she was telling me the story, which I had not heard before. I guess her doctor said that she would no longer prescribe whatever it was. It was some kind of anticoagulant or something that was supposedly going to prevent grandma from having a stroke at 101. Mm -hmm. She would no longer prescribe it if grandma didn't come in to her office and be seen. And grandma's like, screw that. I'm not going into the office. It's a pain in the butt. I don't care. Whatever. I'm not going in. So the doctor then called up hospice and essentially said to grandma, okay, if you're not going to come in and not going to get this drug, then you need to go on hospice. Well, I love hospice. So yeah, so so grandma was like, what does that mean? She had never experienced Most whatever. people do. But then when they came and they brought her flowers and they talked to her and they, oh, she said they massaged her feet with <laughs> lotion. <laughs> and for two or three weeks, two times a week, people came until they had to tell grandma the bad news. She was kicked off of hospice because she was too healthy. You're fired. You're, she was fired. She says, I was fired from hospice. <laughs> and so once I guess the doctor got wind of the fact that hospice fired her, the doctor agreed to prescribe the medicine. And I think grandma was conflicted because she really wasn't complaining about not taking that medicine. You know, it's hard because on one hand, she says, why am I here? I'm just sitting here watching CNN being frustrated by the closed caption of the political situation. And I don't, (laughs) why am I even here? There's nothing I can do. And also there is this fear of death. I was reading this article about different ways that you will know that you're going to die early, which... We've already talked about what is early, but here are some things that show you that you're going to die early. Okay, go. So one of the indicators is that you are often bored. I've never felt, I don't even know what it feels like to be bored. Well, mom used to say only boring people are bored. Yeah, but do you know what it feels like to be bored? I mean, could you think of a feeling of being bored? Well, sometimes I judge speech and debate tournaments, and I have to say sometimes the poetry rounds bore me, but I'm not really bored. It says here, though, that people who are chronically bored lack one thing. What do you think it is? Oh, you set me up. Curiosity. Because as an aside, a friend of ours had a one of those stomach bypass surgeries. Mm. And she told me that prior to having stomach bypass surgery, she had never understood when people said that they were full. So she would be at Thanksgiving and people would say, I'm so full. And she would, she would fake it. She would say, oh, me too. But she really didn't know what it felt like to be full. Hmm. And then she had the stomach bypass surgery and she said it was the first time she had ever felt full. And I kind of feel like that with boredom. Like I don't really intellectually or emotionally, I don't really know what it feels like to be bored. You know, I don't think I so, do either. So I'm going to live gonna forever. Live forever. Um, All right. <laughs> what are some of the other ones? Yeah. But it does say that um, not having curiosity can age the brain faster. Ding! Okay, well, there you go. Mm -hmm. Contact us at Apply Curiosity Lab and (laughs) save your life, the life you could save, maybe your own. (laughs) Here's one that I think you'll appreciate. You constantly have bad breath. Why would I appreciate that? Because you don't want to smell anybody's bad breath. No, I don't. Okay, so are they saying you constantly have bad breath even after you brush your teeth. Yeah, it says, okay, it could be just the garlic mashed potatoes for dinner, but after you have done things like 
extra brushing your teeth, extra drinking water, rinsing your mouth out, things like that, if you still have bad breath, it could indicate some type of cancer or some type of serious infection. So are they suggesting that it indicates some kind of cancer or infection or it, or gum disease or oral disease has caused? Because I know that if you don't take care of your teeth, you know, you have some kind of bad gum disease, it can affect your heart. Mm-hmm. So are they suggesting that it starts in the mouth and then causes that problem or it's a symptom of problems that are come from other parts of your body? Which came first, right? The halitosis or the disease. Mm-hmm. Well, I suppose that you're going to also tell me that one of the things is loneliness. So you think about it. If you have halitosis, chances are you're going to be lonely. Yeah. And do you think that people could claim halitosis as a reason for divorce, like irreconcilable differences? Uh, if I were a judge, I would definitely accept halitosis as a reason for being divorced. Absolutely. And it's funny that you mentioned that because... Getting divorced or separated is another indication of dying soon. It says people who are divorced or separated have a 46% chance of dying. Wait a minute. Period. I think that, <laughs> I think that people, geez, people, for God's sake, are you telling me that if I get divorced, I only have a 40% a forty percent chance of dying? I am so going to divorce Woo-hoo! Stephen and I'm going to live forever by chance. I have a 60% chance of never dying. A 40% chance. Let me tell you something. Every person, there is one thing positively correlated with a 100% chance of death. Birth. <laughs> Just like there's a positive correlation, every single crack addict, there is one gateway drug that is 100% either mother, mother's milk or formula. Every crack addict. I knew it. It was a gateway drug. I knew it. All right, what else? Okay, so this one, I think that I am definitely a goner, and especially because I'm looking at my nails right now, and I need a manicure so badly. And it says, your nails look gnarly is an indicator. Does that mean you should be, someone should kill you to put you out of your misery, (laughs) or there's actually something... So I suppose that, okay, that makes sense because you have seen those fingernails and toenails, you know, whether it's fungus or whether it's those kind of lines or those kind of rigid things. Yeah, it says like spots, strange ridges, discoloration. Oh, it's not just like an out-of-style angle to your, you know, you're still (laughs) doing the square cut of your, instead of the pointy long things, you're going to die. It does say pale colored nails. So, I mean, if you get a light pink polish... That is an indicator for sure. Bye-bye. Yeah. All right. Well, that makes sense. I mean, I guess it would also be an incentive to keep your nails groomed so that you could see if there was... Yeah. Let me see yours. Hold them oh, up. Oh, I'm not even going to show you my nails. They look so bad right now. Okay. Well, you're going to And die. I'm going to have liver disease, anemia, heart disease, or a thyroid issue. Oh. That's it. You're going to die. Mm-hmm. All right. What else? Okay. You live in a certain area of the United States. Well, there you go. I'm going to move to India because that is, okay, these kinds of seven ways, five ways, these are so damaging to our critical thinking skills. But Mm -hmm. here's, so you live in a certain area of the United States. This kind of reminds me of Ricky Gervais. I was reading this hilarious tweet storm. 
And it was right after Crazy Rich Asians, that movie. And someone said, this is so great because it's the first time that Asians have ever been nominated for major awards. And Ricky Gervais's (laughs) answer, even in Asia. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my God, that is such an example of xenophobia. You live in a certain area of the United States. So anyone reading this that is living in the United States needs to know, if you're listening to this podcast, you need to know. You're going to to, die. To die. It says that in parts of Alaska, for example, a third of the deaths occur to people under the age of 35. Now, are those people who have seen Russia from their house (laughs) or those people who have not seen Russia from their house? Yep. That's the Russian influence right there. There we go. Conspiracy confirmed. All right. What else? You didn't make it past high school. Okay. Well, that might mean that you died and weren't able to graduate. So that certainly would be. That would affect it. That would affect it. It could be that you were too sick. Let me give you all the reasons I can think of. Could be that you had to drop out to go to work. So that would affect your socioeconomics either as a cause of not being able to graduate from high school or an effect of not graduating from high school. So in effect, if you don't graduate from high school, you can't get the kind of job that would pay for health insurance. Yeah, I could, I could see that, but I can also see a lot of reasons. Uh, you know, I, I, that makes me think about the whole thing about what does it mean to die too soon. So imagine that you had a kid that was born with some kind of terminal illness where the likelihood of living beyond the age of five is very low. And there would be no health span because the kid was born ill and was con- you were constantly battling. But there would be a quality of life. I mean, you would expect that there would be a quality of life or no one would want that kid to continue to live, right? And it would be kind of universally accepted unless you were kind of a wackadoo that, that you would want this kid. And now this kid lives to 10. Now that is not dying too soon. So maybe dying too soon is all related to expectation. And if we could change our expectation of being old or what that means to be old or even health span, what does it mean to be healthy? What does it mean to have a quality of life? Then we would stop and consider what does it mean to die too soon in a more specific way, not kind of this esoteric way. And we could actually think about death, which is the only thing we're certain of, Although increasingly people are talking about when is the point when we could live forever or live for hundreds of years. No interest. No interest. Mm -mm. Is that a lack of curiosity? Maybe. And I shouldn't say no interest. I would be curious to see how that looks. But what does it mean to On yourself or on someone else? (laughs) Yeah, maybe I don't (laughs) want to see how it looks. Maybe I'd rather see how it... I don't know. I mean, there would have to be a lot better cosmetic surgery for me to be curious to see how that looks. The most interesting sort of fact is that studies that were done in, it was actually attempted to be done in four different places, the United States, Canada, Papua New Guinea, and then they were also trying to, that was what that missionary was doing when he was trying to go into that area to convert the natives and they they speared him to death. Yeah. He was trying to find out, he wasn't really trying to convert them to Christianity. I didn't think so. No, that would, you know, no one would be that stupid and ridiculous. But he was trying to get the results for this study, which they ended up having to not use that, obviously, but out of United States, Canada, and Papua New Guinea, it was found that 87% of people surveyed found if they died today, it would be too soon. So if you die today, will it be too soon? It would depend on who you ask. 
No, I'm asking you. Oh, <laughs> I mean, if you ask somebody that didn't like me, they would say, no, it was too late. But yeah, my kids aren't out of the house yet. Once the kids are out of the house, I think, then that'd be fine. So my kids are out of the house, but I still so think... So now it, I'm ready for you, for you to <laughs> die. <laughs> because I'm not even sure that grandma at 101 years old who says, why am I here and why am I here? And not because she's miserable. She's actually curious, why am I here? I mean, it's yeah. actually a question out of curiosity. I am not sure, and I would be interested to find out, if she thought she died today, it would be too soon. It's a really good question. We'll find out. We'll report back to you on the next episode of Applied Curiosity Lab Radio. Thanks for listening, and I really hope you enjoyed the episode. Before you take off, I have a few more things to let you know about. One, you can find show notes for every episode of ACLR and links to all resources mentioned at applycuriositylab.com forward slash blog. It's there that we'll wait to read your answers to each week's Curiosity Bite. Two, in order to avoid missing Curiosity Bitten Conversations, Subscribe to Applied Curiosity Lab Radio on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all the other spots that podcasts hang out and wait to be discovered. Toss up a review, especially if you have nice things to say. Finally, for all things Applied Curiosity, including information on workshops and your free membership to the Tribe of the Curious, go to ApplyCuriosityLab.com. In the meantime, elevate curiosity.